The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Something's coming. Something dark. I sense it. This is a new beginning. For some, builds. For others, podcasts. This fall. It's been a while. Things have changed. I started hearing whispers about Steven's return as heir to the podcast. We have to prepare for the worst. The Patreon fell a long time ago. There aren't many left. Soldier, noble, scout, scoundrel, Jedi. Perhaps it is time to begin again. The Dark Times Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite uh, little grub sent to kill Princess uh, Padme. And I'm Steven, your favorite prodigal co-host. You are the prodigal co-host in his return. Um, We're back. We're back, Steven. We're back. We're McFreakin' back. Not we're sponsored by the book. We're McFreakin' back. I would love to. <laughs> That's great. How you been? How was the darkest summer? Did you enjoy it? The darkest summer, Sam, treated me quite well. Um, I have a new apartment. I have a new job um, in a new city. Everything is, is coming up, Steve. And uh, honestly, I couldn't be happier to be back recording this with you. Same old Steven. Knew everything else. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to be back too, Stephen. I enjoyed the darkest summer as well. I had a lot of fun recording the patron exclusive uh, content that we're not going to shield too hard this episode, but <laughs> I think was really fun for both of us. I, I mean, I, it was lots of fun. I, I had a blast. It was great to get out of our, our comfort zone a little bit and try some new stuff. And I'm, I'm glad it's out there. Absolutely. Except, you know, my comfort zone. I was the one who had to edit it. Yeah, no, you, I mean, yeah, you, you got, (laughs) I got to get out of my comfort zone. You got to get out of your free time zone. (laughs) No, it's crazy. You know, it's weird how many hobbies you can pick up when you don't have to edit uh, an annoying guy's voice for an hour every week. (laughs) Oh, do you have a different pod? (laughs) He got me. That's great. Oh, is that for your solo work? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, fuck. I should have said that. See you late now, buddy. What are we talking about this week, Stephen? It's been a while. The the masses are clamoring for dark times, and we're here to bring them. I, I thought, yeah, the, the dark times have begun yet again, listeners. And I thought to bring us back, I'd keep it simple with a nice classic class feature today. Today, we'll be looking at The Assassin 
from Star Wars Saga Edition Scum and Villainy. One still to this day, probably in my top three of the of the supplemental books. Wouldn't you say top Susan? three? Top yeah. three. That one, Force Unleashed, and uh, Scavengers Get the Droids. Excellent, excellent taste. Very, very much. So. Thank you. Starships of the Galaxy is a very close fourth, though. I'd it's hardly Swissy without Starships of the Galaxy. Exactly. Not to mention Unknown Regions gets a shout out. God, right. Galaxy of Intrigue. Oh. Rebellion Era Campaign Guide. You know, I'm looking at my shelf. <laughs> I, I think, you know, there, there's about a dozen or so great supplement books for this system. I'd say there's... Uh, <laughs> All of them in my top three. A top 12. <laughs> yeah, I'd say top my 12. top 12 Saga <laughs> Edition books. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's talk about assassins. Yeah. You know, I, I thought about writing an intro for this class and then I read the one in the book and I was like, no, nope, once again, can't do better than this. So here we go. <laughs> the assassin kills for credits. Unlike the bounty hunter who sometimes kills, the assassin never takes a victim alive. Moreover, assassins know the value of discretion. So they employ a variety of sneak tactics to approach their target unseen and strike when least expected. Assassin's techniques vary greatly. Some use poisons or toxic beasts, while others prefer more spectacular and dependable methods, such as explosives or up-close and personal attacks. Um, I, don't think, I don't think this class has much that would benefit explosives, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the, the wonderful flavor of the assassin versus the reality of the assassin pretty soon. Killing is rarely personal for the assassin. It is just a job. Many assassins justify their profession by establishing criteria for the types of targets they strike, and some assassins are nearly heroic in their efforts to eliminate notoriously wicked marks. Nevertheless, assassins are despised more than they are valued. Assassins work alone, unless, you know, they're in your party. (laughs) Assassins work alone, but those who desire more insurance might join up with one of the guilds that lurk in the shadowy corners of the galaxy. The Assassin's Guild, perhaps the largest and most powerful, operates throughout the galaxy, offering numerous services from bounty hunting to contract killing. Hold on, this is just a fucking Elder Scrolls ripoff. <laughs> I love the guild called the Assassin's Guild. Yeah, I like, oh, hey. <laughs> hey, what's our big Star Wars Assassin's Guild going to be called? Not like, not like gut punches ghouls, but like the Assassin's Guild. Like, it's so formal, I feel like. I guess if you... But you know their website looks fucking clean as hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's got like a folded envelope with a wax seal on it. To, and it's like, are you sure you're 18 or older? It's like assassin.io or some shit. Yes. Theguild.io. <laughs> Assassins.guild. There it is. There we go. Assassins.guild. Well, here we go. If you want a little more flavor, Sam, here we go. I, I've gotten to the, the second half of the paragraph now. Other assassin organizations, such as the Logue, <laughs> not very scary, guys, are centered on a particular world. But others, such as the Gino Haradon, uh, that, that sounds like a fucking dune. <laughs> <laughs> They're from KOTOR. Oh, shit. For real? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nice. The Gino Haradon are utterly clandestine, maintaining no publicly known base of operations. Of all the active groups, though, none are as feared or as mysterious as the Malkite poisoners. These highly trained professionals adopt detailed cover stories to better infiltrate societies and get close to their victims. After months or even years of establishing a trust and rapport with their victim, they strike fatally. The long con. The long con. God, could you imagine like <laughs> the amount of just 
psychological damage that would inflict on yourself and others to just <laughs> every time you have a oh my god that's a great party a composition one of the <laughs> one of them a is no- the malachite poisoner who's there a to- noble their soldier protector then the assassin hired to kill the noble <laughs> ultimate and the <thruple>. jedi <laughs> ultimate thruple <laughs> that's the name of my assassin's guild actually the ultimate thruple <laughs> This oh, is one man. of the more strict prestige class uh, classes, Sam, but it, it's 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 a little different. It's it doesn't look like that on the surface. It's got lax skill and level requirements, but very specific build requirements. So minimum level only seventh. There's actually no BAB requirement here. It's one of the few classes that that does not have one. So ding A plus. That's easy. Train skills. You only need stealth, which is great. Ding. That's available to I believe. It's a class skill for both Scout and Scoundrel. Uh, there's a feat requirement, Sniper, which in of itself has a decent number of requirements. Of course, Sniper requires point blank shot, precise shot, and a BAB of plus four. There's a particular heroic class that has a really easy time reading those requirements as well as the others. And we'll talk about that, what that might be in just a second. The effect of Sniper, of course, that's the feat, by the way, not the TF2 class, Sam. <laughs> Here, it's a good job, though. You always ignore soft cover. That is cover provided by a character, creature, or a droid when you make a ranged attack. Sometimes players uh, acting off of, you know, earlier D&D or Pathfinder instincts will ask, excuse me, ask me if they have soft cover. Well, really, it's only one guy, and it's the guy in our party who's played the most 3.5 in Pathfinder 20, Sam, but his soft cover is <laughs> a thing there. But no, soft cover barely happens in Swissy, depending on, you know, <laughs> how close you stand to your friends. Obviously. I mean, it's not a huge deal if you have no melee combatants in your party. Exactly. You rarely have to worry about soft cover in Swissy. And if you do, just stand somewhere else. My God. Just move. <laughs> just move. <laughs> <laughs> and then also requires a talent as well from the Misfortune Talent Tree. That's a scoundrel tree, of course. The talent is Dastardly Strike. Whenever you make a successful attack against an opponent that is denied its dexterity bonus to reflex defense... That is everyone who's flat-footed, plus some more, depending on their status. The target moves one step down the condition track. This talent can only be used against characters, not objects or vehicles. That's good. I wasn't planning on using it on objects. I'm I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) I don't think an object can be flat-footed personally, but that's fine. God, that, oh man, like I, I can already see the form argument like in my, in my eyes, like in my brain about <laughs> if objects are aware of you or not. <laughs> That's great. That's so good. It's got linear BAB progression, which is to say with each level you, you take an assassin, your base attack bonus increases by one as well. This is very big for the scoundrel, noble and scout assassins out there. But you can probably already guess which of those three is going to go for the assassin. And that, of course, is the scoundrel. Is it because the scoundrel starts with point blank shot? That's correct. Uh, The scoundrel can get point blank shot, precise shot and dastardly strike all at level one. Oh, my God. All of them at level one. All of them at level one. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) So you're basically almost there to sniper. You got to wait to like what level five, six to get sniper. And then next level, bam, you're an assassin. (laughs) <laughs> well, level eight will be assassin, obviously. Yeah. It required, you, you, they know what they know how it works out there by now, probably, hopefully. 
Welcome to the show, by the way, if you don't. <laughs> Hit points, you get 1d10 plus your con modifier. So, uh, you know, record scratch sound effect dot mp3 right here, Sam. You get 1d10 hit points. That's the second highest hit die in the game outside of, you know, independent droid, of course. You get a linear base attack bonus, baby, that you're getting paid dividends, making up for your time in weakling camp in the early scoundrel levels. I'm glad. I'm glad Assassin gets this because honestly, those fucking scoundrels. Listen, having less than 90 hit points sucks. (laughs) It does. And it's going to suck for a while until you hit these prestige classes and you need to get used to that. Not to mention some hefty defense bonuses as well. We're looking at a plus four class bonus to reflex defense and a plus two class bonus to fortitude. So once again, after this, after even your first few levels in Assassin, you are looking about on par with with soldiers or uh, close like hey hold on slow down there it's close okay you're not a soldier you're not a scout but you're not quite a soldier you're definitely getting pretty fucking martial by the time you get your first few levels in assassin and of course the class ability mark um the book didn't say who mark was but <laughs> fuck you that's so funny <laughs> Oh, I get my friend Mark as my class. Yeah, it says you get a guy named Mark, but it doesn't really clarify who he is. Maybe that's like GM Fiat or you're you're meant to fill it in for yourself. Mark's the driver of the GM Fiat. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. That's so good. (laughs) So here we go. Mark, as an assassin, you specialize in the sudden attack, the brutal stroke that eliminates your target by the fastest means possible. At the start of the encounter, you can select a single target within your line of sight to be your mark. Oh, that's who Mark is. Okay, you get to choose. <laughs> your mark now. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to send in an assassin build named Mark. Just, just you oh wait. Oh my god. For the duration of the encounter, you gain a bonus equal to one half your class level rounded down on damage rolls against that opponent. This damage is in addition to the character's usual level bonus to damage. This damage is doubled on a successful critical hit as normal. If you reduce your target to zero hit points, you may place your mark on another target within line of sight as a free action. As a swift action, you can sacrifice this bonus to render your target flat-footed against your next attack made before the end of your turn. Once you sacrifice this bonus, it is lost for the remainder of the encounter. Hey, pretty, pretty nice. When you think you're ready to go into the kill shot, sacrifice your mark, make him flat-footed, move in a dastardly strike, plus whatever other goodies you picked up from the assassin talent trees, and you're dealing some pretty fat burst damage. And that is the theme of this class. It's all about building towards these big, big, big fucking attacks that are all but guaranteed to move your target down the condition track at least once. In in old school role playing uh, games, this is called noving. Like a oh, like a nova, yeah, supernova. N- like a supernova, like a big burst of damage, a nova or novaing or you know a nova. That's also a statistical analysis method. Really? Yeah, a nova mm. stands for something I do not know. I also don't remember when you use it. A nova? I hardly know. <laughs> Way to go. Let's talk about these talents, Stephen. The assassin talents. Yeah, so I picked out a few. This is not... Wait, hold on. This is not a great picture of what generally assassin talents look like. I just picked out three that I thought were really cool because there's some highlights here. I'm going to level with you, listener, here. Let's let's have a seat on this park bench here and watch watch the people go by for a second. <laughs> oh, we're having this conversation. Yeah, I know. It's... I know. It's... This, this prestige class is not 
well liked by by people who take building sussy characters very seriously. Um, th- this is not a hardcore builders class for for a couple reasons. This is a more niche class than others. This class attempts to be a lot of things at once, and it almost succeeds. This is the class for the long distance snipers. This is the class for the Assassin's Creed knife guys. This is the class for the the sexy femme fatale with like the stiletto knife in her boot, right? This is all of these archetypes of assassin are encompassed in this class. And it literally it almost does it, but with this breath, it sacrifices a lot of depth in actually cooking up some really, really awesome choices. But there are really awesome choices. You just have to choose them and not anything else. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said it, Steven. Yeah. You also keep access to the misfortune um, talent tree, which is normally exclusive to scoundrels and a couple others. And it's a really good one. It's it's a core rulebook talent tree. It's rock solid. It's big. It has a lot of different directions you can take it. And all of them contribute well to your job of being an assassin. But first up on the assassin talent tree is ruthless. Once per encounter, when you drop a foe to zero hit points or push an opponent to the bottom of the condition track, you can immediately take a bonus standard action. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Pretty, pretty cool. And as we know, a standard action, that could be another attack. That can be a move. You can swap that out for a swift action. You know, I don't know for what, but hey, extra actions are always uh, yummy, yummy. There aren't a lot of ways to get them in this system. That's not for many. Sure. Not many. And this is a Pretty reliable one, especially if you're dropping dude. It's the bottom of the condition track uh, qualifier that takes us to the next level. Because if you build your assassin right, maybe, you know, leaning towards a, a CT killer, a condition track killer type build, this can stack up pretty nasty real quick. Absolutely. And just the idea of, especially if you're a sniper, the idea of taking a shot and then taking another shot immediately, that's pretty brutal. Very cool. Very cool. And if you're targeting mooks, which that's going to be your best odds for triggering this talent, two mooks down in one turn. Oh my God, that's insane. I didn't even think about that. An excellent way to open up an encounter. Of course, this is a once per encounter ability, but... Ah, recurring success, my friend. (laughs) Come on, who needs it? Now you're thinking like a sniper. And hey, take two mooks off the board the first turn of the encounter your fellow players and friends are gonna love you they're gonna take you to every session (laughs) which is the goal of the dark times podcast to make sure everyone (laughs) at the table loves you as much as possible (laughs) we certainly never encourage antisocial behavior on the podcast that's for sure (laughs) oh my life's flashing before my eyes (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, like we said, there's there's not a lot of options on the assassin world, but there are options. And two of the four talent trees you have access to allow you to join up with an organization full of people like you. Uh, and these have these organizations, a little bit like Force Traditions, have pretty deep rooted themes that are tied to their specific abilities and can be really fun, if, especially if you're not quite sure what sort of character you want to play. Bam, you're Malachite Poisoner. Bam, you're Gino Haradin. You've got a whole theme to play off of it and a talent tree to go with it, too. Heck yeah. So this is the opener talent from the Malkite Poisoner talent tree, Malkite Techniques. Once per encounter, you can apply a toxin to any non-energy slashing or piercing weapon as a standard action. If an attack roll with that weapon also exceeds the target's 402 defense, it becomes poisoned. Each round on the creature's turn, the poison makes an attack roll. That's 1d20 plus your heroic level against the target's 402 defense. If the attack succeeds, the target takes damage equal to 1d6 plus one half your heroic level 
and moves down one step on the condition track. Each round. Each round, the attack succeeds. That includes your heroic level, which as we know, is the total level of all your classes. That is not your class level, that's your heroic level. If you're level 11, that's 1d20 plus 11. That's not bad. It's not bad. It could be, like, honestly, again, the condition track qualifier here takes that up to the next level. It wouldn't really be interesting at all if it didn't also weather away the condition track. And it targets fortitude defense, which is the other great part about it. Yes, which for some creatures, for some enemies, that's usually their lowest one. There are many exceptions to that, of course, like large, like beasts and like, you know, soldier type heavies. But other than that, eh, not too crazy of fortitude defenses out there. A target move to the end of the condition track by the poison is unconscious, but continues to take damage as long as the poison continues to attack. The poison attacks each round until it misses or the victim is cured with a treat injury check, the DC for that being 10 plus your heroic level. The Malkite Poisoner talent tree goes on to list. There's other different talents that can augment your poisons. There's a whole world of poisons out there that, as best as I understand it, does require a bit of, you know, GMs filling in the blanks with how they work sometimes. But this is a cool talent tree that can do some stuff you don't usually see in Swissy a whole lot, which we like. And then there's, uh, I'm kind of double dipping here. I'm featuring two talents technically, but they're basically the same. This is a manipulating strike from the Gino Haradin talent tree. Once per turn, when you successfully damage a target with a non-area attack, make an intimidate persuasion check against the target's will defense. If successful, you can determine what the target does with its swift action on its next turn. This is a mind-affecting effect. And if you take improved manipulating strike... It's the same, but with a move action. And there are some qualifiers. You cannot make them run off a cliff or into a hazard. It specifically calls this <laughs> out, which is funny, but big deal that not many other abilities like this in the entire game, if any at all, to choose the move or swift action of your opponent. That could That's be pretty good. That could be dropping their weapon. That could be that moving really out good. of cover. That could be moving away from the party or towards your melee beat face guy. I wonder if can you <laughs> can you move them into a hazard they don't know about, like a mine or something? <laughs> <laughs> I that would be the kind of thing that the cheeky rules lawyer player would ask me with a smirk on across the table. <laughs> and I would say absolutely not. But what you do at your table is your business. <laughs> it does say you can't move them into a hazard. So that's fair. Yeah. That's so funny. Very much so. Yeah. I like the idea that I attack them, but I don't, I can't, I don't want them to move into a hazard. Hey, as a certain <laughs> professional assassin, I know personally once said professionals have standards. That's a fair point. No Looney Tunes ass kills here. <laughs> that's. My assassin character has only because it mentioned that, you know, I assassins generally take on, you know, specific criteria for what targets they'll take or how they kill them. Um, my assassin is a no Looney Tunes deaths kind of guy. <laughs> no anvils, no rakes on the ground. None of that. No pianos shit. falling the, from balconies. Yeah. <laughs> my father oh, was man. killed by a falling piano and he's fine, but his teeth were replaced with the piano keys. It was horrific. <laughs> No painted on, no painted on Sarlacc pits on the wall. <laughs> then a cartoon mouse ran up to him and played Beethoven's fifth on his teeth with a little hammer. <laughs> I still miss him. 
That's great. Overall, the assassin is a fun niche class that forms the cornerstone for big Nova attacks in Swissy. Naturally, it's a common stop for builds that target the condition track, also known as CT killer builds. Whether you're sniping from the building across the hyperlane or slipping through the underbrush with your knife drawn, it's a great way to put a sinister twist on a scoundrel while keeping much of the disruptive and situational damage capabilities you're already known for. Heck yeah. I like the assassin, and I definitely agree with your sentiment that it does not pick a lane very well. No, it, it doesn't. <laughs> it's like every lane. It's like five lane freeway now. Here we go. And it's not their fault. It's such no. a big... It's such a big concept for such a small class. You right. Know? What I would have done, and this may be controversial, and it, it makes sense why there's a separate bounty hunter prestige class for Swissy, because people want to be Boba Fett. Of course, people want to be Boba Fett. Rodney talked about that a lot, is that some things that informed the game decisions for Swissy, even some of the maybe more sillier ones on, on their face value, were, were meant to meet people's expectations for what it would be like to play a Star Wars RPG. And that's, of course. that's great. That's why Swissy is so fun. If it were me, you know, thinking now about how this in the Bounty Hunter class ended up, I would have rolled them together, probably still would have called it Assassin um, and just had one or two talent trees dedicated to bounty hunting and then maybe a separate talent tree for each like method of assassinating. Like you got really? yours. Really? Yeah. Wow, maybe your sniper okay. talent tree, your knife guy talent tree. Yeah. Yeah. For Poison, sure. Poisoner talent tree. I mean, we already have that, but you get it. If it was me, I would split assassin into sniper and assassin. Oh, I get you. I just I have you. a sniper class. I like that. Know? I like that. Yeah. Swissy is kind of begging for a sniper class between assassin, bounty hunter, and the whole sniper feet line. So we there, we need to have a whole episode about this because as much as I love the sniper as a concept, every single sniper thing is like you have to be out of point blank range. And point blank range in this fucking system is 20 squares. Dog, I can't afford a battle map that big. Like, yeah, exactly. No, who's got a table that big? <laughs> yeah, GM, I'd like to see. I, th- I know we're at the edge of the roll 20 map here, but I'd like to run four times my speed that direction. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just write 24 on my uh, character there to signify that I'm 24 squares off the map? Hey, we've like, done it. F- <laughs> like fucking words dreamt up by a madman. Like not these aren't fucking real things. I like um I don't know who's I think uh, this might be a little literalist homebrew rule or maybe just a popular one in general to half the ranges. Yeah, that's that is the literalist. Uh, yeah, his whole that, like range correction house rule is very reasonable. I think that's the case in which because even even from a GM design standpoint you don't want a map too big no like we've talked about encounter building on this podcast a lot and it's definitely one of those things where it's like 20 by 20 squares is not happening (laughs) no no and you know even when you're not limited by like physical space even on roll 20 like not not only it can it can barely handle shit bigger than the default 25 by 25 let's be real and um it's just it's not always practical to have a map like that let alone you know designing a map like that let alone fun to play oh sorry Oh, the sniper is going to stay here. But, you know, the Jedi, you got to run. Yeah. You got to spend three turns moving across the map. Yeah, get running, know? buddy. Like- <laughs> like, and there's places for that, you know, and, and to build off your example of a Jedi, you know, if, if I had a lot of space to fill, if I wanted the map that was good for my assassin and good for my Jedi and the, you know, one out of 5,000 parties that are like that, that would be a good chance to test the Jedi's acrobatic skills, have big open space, platforms to jump on, some wall running, you know, this and that. Absolutely. I agree. Well done, Stephen. 
Thank you, Sam. Well, uh, let us know what you guys think about the assassin class. And um, not to tease you before the break, but I see I brought an assassin myself. <gasps> I know. Let's set him off to the break, Stephen. See you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to the, the Break Times podcast. This is a podcast within the dark times where we just, you know, get a coffee. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh man, I wish I could drink coffee like all day long, every day. I guess the, yeah, the answer is decaf. I know, but get a coffee, grab a tea, you know, it's break time. My work <laughs> break time. <laughs> time for a break. The, my workplace has a really sick espresso machine. Oh, fancy. I've, I've already gotten pretty good at it. I did a little breasting in my past, in my deep, dark past. The Stephen Lore. The Steve, yeah, the deep Stephen Lore. Technically, I wasn't even a barista. I worked at an ice cream place that did espresso. Ah, so, familiar. But I, I did, like, yeah, you know the one. But um, I, I did spend extra time there getting good at espresso because, honestly, I mastered scooping ice cream pretty quick. I, You know, espresso is good, but I, boy, do I love coffee. That place, you know, that place, honestly, it's, you remember it. And, and the best thing there to this day, I think, is the affogato. Oh, yeah. You yeah. got espresso over fucking ice cream? Yeah, that's yeah. I like a mini scoop of vanilla in a little cup with uh, espresso shot poured right over it. Nothing better. This is the part of the podcast where we thank you for listening. Seriously, and thank you. You've weathered the darkest summer with us. Sam and I needed a break. You gave it to us. I thought the Patreon would be empty by now. There's still, like, almost everyone is there. People understandably backed out, of course, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we didn't fucking, there was eight episodes that could have been there. Yeah, <laughs> but these people pay for episodes every week, and we did not deliver, and they're still here waiting for us patiently. All I can say is thank you very much. And not to dig too much in my personal life, but I was laid off in June, and boy, howdy, that money went to groceries, man. I'm telling yeah, you. Like, absolutely. Like, I, I do I've not, had a few um, I've had a few Patreon payouts like that before in the past. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I'm not you know, we're not here e-begging. We're here. We're safe. We're happy. We're healthy. And we're back in full swing. And honestly, Sam, the longer we go on, the longer I watch the timer on the recording go, the, the more excited I get. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stephen, we have a special thanks here. Oh, let's see it. A special email from uh, patron and listener uh, Eschatonia. Oh, good. I've been waiting for weeks to, to feature this. Eschatonia says, I want to give a huge shout out to little literalist Stephen C., who just shared his entire Roll20 Dawn of Defiance campaign with anyone who's interested. Maps, character sheets, handouts, tokens, dynamic lighting for all 10 books. As he says, it is not a replacement for preparation, but he's just saved me and others, hundreds of hours of data entry slash recreation. It, it just reminds me how connected this community is over 16 years after the first book was published. Honorable mention to Dark Lark, who has made tokens for nearly any request on the subreddit. Thanks again to you guys for the podcast and to the community for being awesome. Esh. Uh, yeah, no, Eskatoni hit the nail on the head. When I got the notification on my phone from Little Literalist, I was like, oh my God, like, no, I didn't believe it at first. It was, it was, I was like distracted by something else and I like saw it and I, I did a double take on my phone. Like, huh? Like all of Dawn Defiance converted to take advantage of all of Roll 20s features. It's incredible. Just, just open it up and run and you have Dawn Defiance. It's never been easier to play Swissy and the year is 2023. 
That's it only took 16 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For, finally, the game's fucking playable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and literally like, well, literally this is like the, the 800th thing he's done for this community. Like, like this, like the, this guy will not stop making the game easier to play more fun to play easier to connect with others. Like, I mean, the list goes on and on. It started with him like correcting wiki stat blocks in the comments. And that was just a couple of years ago. Now, I mean, he's founded he basically rewrote the fucking character sheet on roll 20 for it. I mean, not to mention the fact that he saved the roll 20 character sheet for this game. He has since started a living world server. He's a mod on the subreddit. He's an admin on the discord server. Yeah, it's please a round of applause from wherever you're sitting for a little literalist. And, and he's a hell of a guy. Seriously. Thank you very much. Yeah. Go listen to uh, the episode where we interview him about. Oh Sonic yeah. Action. He's done a couple features for us too. He has. Um, he it's, has. it's where we're interviews are, are on the top of Sam and I's mind for this next phase of the dark times. So maybe, maybe we'll hear from him again soon. I've not been, uh, <laughs> I've not been discussed about this. I don't know what Steven's talking about. Save me. This is a cry for help. He's asking me to edit three people talking at once again. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to take more than a burrito to get you out of this one, Steven. And one of them's using a webcam mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, man. And of course, Dark Lark. I mean, I, I love this guy. Like, <laughs> I, I like when I first came to this community, I was like, who's this guy who just makes tokens that, at the drop <laughs> of a hat? He's, he's literally never stopped doing what he loves. And what he loves is making tokens. Um, Dark Lark, thank you for any request. He fills it. I've seen it. I've, I've seen some pretty ridiculous stuff. He loves it. It's great. It's so good. All right. Um, that's pretty much all I had for this little break section, Stephen. You got your you got your coffee, you got your drink. Oh yeah, we're good to go. Let's let's get back into it. All right, everyone strap back in. Let's go back to the show. Steven. Mm, yes. I've brought a build. It's been a while. I had to dust off the old the old Saga Forge for this one. Oh, and where would we be without it? Light the coals in the in the Saga Forge, you know. Oh, hey, there pump, you go. Pump the bellows. Ooh, careful, that's know? hot. Oh, oh boy, got take put the gloves on. I brought us a CL12 assassin build. Hey. This is Chuba Noah, uh, whose name is Huddies for Hey you. No. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad I, I saw this name and I was like, did you really put like Noah in it? Like- you don't like Chuba Noah? I like Chuba Noah. I like saying it. I've been obsessed with saying it since it, I came up with it. <laughs> Chuba Noah. Huh? It's a Togruta Scoundrel 4 Noble 3 Assassin 5. Oh, this is this is delightful. Uh, in my mind, the backstory for Chuba Noah is like a Togruta kid grew up on Nalhada as like an orphan and now is like an assassin, but did, never had a name. So only goes by whatever people yelled when they saw That's them. So funny. Well done. <laughs> when they saw them. Uh, so as a Togruta, you get plus two to dex with minus two to constitution. You also get pack hunter. So Grutas deal an additional two points of damage on melee attacks against opponents they flank. And they also have the, uh, the species trait sneaky. A Togruta can choose to reroll any stealth check to sneak, but the result of the reroll must be accepted even if it's worse. Togrutas also have spatial awareness. Togrutas can sense their surroundings using passive echolocation. They ignore all cover and concealment when making perception checks to notice targets within 10 squares. These are, these are great. How come the wiki was like, 
oh, these guys are scouts, soldiers, or Jedi. Now, I understand Jedi, and I understand scout, but you reroll stealth checks. You shouldn't be a soldier. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Oh, well, maybe it was noble, but even still, like, come on, scoundrels right there. Just because you're you're not a... A bounty hunter race doesn't mean that you can't be like, I listen, I'm breaking boundaries here at the Dark Times podcast. We're breaking boundaries. We're breaking sound barriers. And we're breaking legs for anyone who (laughs) tells us wrong. You start with you, Steven. (laughs) We take a few talents from the assassin talent tree here. We got shift as a move action. You can move one square without provoking an attack of opportunity. That's pretty good. I can just like see this like slow motion bullet time of the, the average shift user. Yeah. Like What's I, great about this is it's not a withdraw. So anything that affects withdraw, there are some things that's like, oh, when they withdraw, they're flat footed to you. Yep. Stuff like that. It doesn't affect that because you're still moving normally. Correct. Uh, we also have advantageous positioning from the same talent tree. Any opponent that you are flanking is considered flat footed and is denied its dexterity bonus to its reflex defense against you. Steven, I hope you see where this is going. Oh, <laughs> we've oh. got the cunning attack feat, which uh, you gain a plus two attack rolls against a flat footed enemy or one is denied its dexterity bonus to its reflex defense paired with dastardly strike from the misfortune talent tree. We already covered that one, but just to reiterate, it's you make a successful attack against the opponent denied its dexterity bonus to reflex defense. It moves one step down the condition track. It can only use against characters, not objects or vehicles. We've also got murderous arts one from the assassin talent tree. When your successful attack causes an opponent to move one step along the condition track, that opponent immediately takes an additional 1d6 of damage. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's a, that's a you know, extra die of damage ain't, ain't nothing to sneeze at. Sure is. Not. He's also, uh, <laughs> uh, for the dip in noble, we've got the dirty tactics from a talent from the disgraced talent tree. You're familiar with this one, Steven. It's a, a big personal favorite, favorite here at the Dark mine. Times. Yes. Once per encounter is a standard action, you can grant a tactical advantage to all allies within your line of sight. When an ally flanks an opponent, they gain a plus four flanking bonus on all melee attack rolls instead of the plus two normal one. After They lose the benefit if you if line of sight's broken or if you are unconscious or you die. Uh, or at the end of the encounter. Dirty Tactics is the bearing the lead here. It's actually the prereq for misplaced loyalty, which is the real bread and butter of the disgraced talentry. As a swift action, once per turn, you can make a persuasion check against the will defense of all opponents within your line of sight. If successful, a target cannot attack you if one of your allies is within six squares of you. You may not gain the benefit of this talent if another character within six squares of you has used the talent since the end of your last turn. You may not use this talent the same round as the soldier's draw fire talent. So basically... Oh, look at me. I'm up close personal with my with my friend. Oh, we're flanking you. Oh, misplaced loyalty. You can't attack me, but I can attack you while flanking. The 26-year-old flanker. <laughs> the, tra- <laughs> the 26-year-old flanker. <laughs> I'm flanking. <laughs> you can't do that. You're flat-footed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This build also takes advantage of the Malkite Techniques talent that Steven covered earlier in the episode. That's another way to drop you down the condition track. Isn't that crazy? Love it. To tie it up all nicely, Chuba uses a Vibroblade with Weapon Finesse and Rapid Strike. It's using your decks to attack with. That's great. Adding an additional dice of damage. That's awesome. You can douse it with poison and flank an opponent. Chuba can be a deadly adversary, quickly bringing someone down the condition track when paired with a heavy bruiser or grabber counterpart. Uh, lastly, Chuba has Sadistic Strike, which is written as follows. When you deliver a coup de gras to a helpless creature, all opponents within line of sight move minus one step on the condition track until the end of the encounter. Love it. Isn't that sick as hell? With this build, you're going to be, you know, you got the poison, you got the dastardly strike. 
You're bringing people down the condition track every attack if you're lucky. And so once they're at helpless, you sadistic strike, coup de gras, bring everyone else down a step on the condition track. Per, it's, this is not even, doesn't even say it's a mind affecting effect. Doesn't say it's persistent. Nope. It's just, just until end of encounter. So then that makes your next target even easier to coup. This isn't once per encounter either, Steven. You can methodically go to each member. This is great for like a mid boss or something. You can yes. methodically go to each member of a party and take them out. And the next member of the party is going to be subsequently easier to take out because they're going to be down an additional step down the condition track. Fucking incredible. I love it. I, I almost passed on sadistic strike because I wanted to take, I needed um weapon efficiency, advanced melee weapons for the vibro blade. Because I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to use a knife. What the fuck? I'm not going to use a no. knife. No, like a fuck 1D. that. No, exactly. I want a 4D6. Uh, <laughs> I want a 4D6 Vibroblade with my rapid strike and shit like that. So I was like, okay, I dropped, I think I dropped, Um, another one was de- Deceptive Drop, which is if you uh, deal damage to a, sorry, if you attack a character uh, in the surprise round, and it's greater than their fortitude defense, they go prone. But going prone in this system isn't as cool as it is in other systems. Like, it's <laughs> unclear if standing from prone, this is a, a different episode topic entirely, but it's unclear if standing from prone triggers an attack of opportunity or not. But it does say dropping your, anything that drops your guard. And I'd say, I fucking, I don't know how I can keep my guard up <laughs> from prone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if you're on your on your stomach, like how are you keeping your guard up when you stand up? That's the question. One of life's great mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> Life uh, finds a way. That's a different discussion for a different day. I was only had Stephen. What do you think about Chuba Noah? I'm impressed, Sam. I, I think this demonstrates a, a great tour of the assassin class. Um, I, I think this is a, a useful and, and rather fearsome stat block. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Thank the 26 you. year old flanker gets my stamp 26 of approval. 26 year old flanker. They were 19 when I made the when I made the uh, <laughs> the character sheet, but I'm going to change it to 26 yeah. for the 26 year old flanker. And I think I had it like like flanking assassin was like the title, but it's going to be the 26 year old flanker now. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing oh, and a great man. great way to leverage uh, the Togruta's uh, natural abilities, even where it may not be uh, suggested. Absolutely. I mean, fucking pack hunter. Oh, plus two when you flank for melee damage, melee damage. Like, come on. <laughs> Not even I, this was almost a ranged flank, like rifle build. And then I was like, oh, but the Tegruta has got this cool pack hunter thing for melee attacks. I better just keep that. Definitely. <laughs> um, I hope you guys liked it. You know, it's a it was a, it was a lot of fun making a, a level 12 character for the first time in a while, I feel like. Uh, that was pretty much all I had for the episode today, Stephen. Do you have any trivia for us this week? I do. In Return of the Jedi, the Emperor's chair was mechanized so that it could rotate when the scene called for it. However, the mechanism never worked properly. So, <laughs> so, Ian, yeah. so Ian McDiarmid had to make it move by shuffling his feet. <laughs> A piece of tape on the floor told him where to stop so it would not be visible to the camera. Luke Skywalker, I've been awaiting your arrival. <laughs> so, One second. Little foot shimmy around the chair. <laughs> we <Wee. 
<laughs> Made it look. <laughs> Just spinning. That's like the second time a prop in one of these, in one of the original trilogy was like supposed to be like mechanical and then just didn't work so they, they just did it the old movies, fashioned man. way it's so fucking great it's because that reminded me of we talked about the c-3po head on chewbacca's back in an empire yeah remember yeah, yeah it was supposed to be mechanics and they were like the fucking fishing line yeah they moved it with fucking fishing line like wow way to go <laughs> wow how'd you do that and he's like i used fucking fishing line i'm not an idiot yeah <laughs> <laughs> so fucking funny oh man well that's our show thank you for listening to the dark times podcast it's a show produced and edited by me sam steven's my co-host you can reach out to us on twitter at dark times swse or email us dark times swse at gmail.com review us on spotify apple podcast wherever you get your show we haven't had an apple podcast review in a while it'll be a nice welcome back present to me and steven at the dark times to give us an apple podcast review tell someone about the show tell your table about the show and tell us you told your table about the show and we'll shout you guys all out on the show steven do you have a quote for us this week greetings exalted one Allow me to introduce myself. I am Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight and friend to Captain Solo. I know you are powerful, mighty Jabba, and that your anger... (laughs) And that your anger with Solo must be equally powerful. I seek an audience with your greatness to bargain for Solo's life. With your wisdom, I'm sure that we can work out an arrangement which will be mutually beneficial and enable us to avoid any unpleasant confrontation. As a token of my goodwill, I present to you a gift. These, These two, two droids. droids. <laughs> Do you ever hear the advice that um, Luke's speech to Jabba is a great, like, like skeleton for a cover letter. <laughs> what? Are you, like, wait, really? I've never. Heard People that say before. that, and then you go back and and you read it or you watch it, and you're like, this scene is good. It's a really great scene. I understand that your pay is equally powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Oh, I, was I remember when I first heard that advice, and I, I kind of did take it seriously, and I did. Maybe it worked out. I don't know, but. I was like, what, what are C-3PO and R2-D2 in, in this in this scenario? Is it these, my... two, these two character references. Yeah. <laughs> is, oh, it, is, like, is it my Microsoft Office skills and my like communication skills? I like those? that better. I like yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The guy who wrote his uh, cover letter themed off of a star Wars scene <laughs> without forgot to change stuff and hasn't gotten any replies back from any of the jobs. <laughs> uh, what's going on? <laughs> I said I was friend to captain solo. Yeah. <laughs> That's called networking. Steven. <laughs> oh, that reminds me at work. They were like, yeah, um, we're going to start using it and include this at your discretion. Sam. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to start using chat GPT to start visualizing data. And I was like, I just use Excel. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we want people to be able to use natural language to, to, to chart their data. And I'm like, Are, do we have employees who can't use Excel? <laughs> and then he was like, we're going to get you learning Python real soon. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> That's a great 
stories. Dude. What was ever wrong with Excel? <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Tech startups thinking that they don't need Excel. <laughs> Seriously, like natural language data visualization. We have there's people like we, we all have it's ma- a pie chart. <laughs> The average education level here is is a master's degree. Like, <laughs> do, who who's the fucking sixth grader that needs to type in? Please Stephen, start my, my data for me. Stephen, my master's is in psychology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in Excel spreadsheet use. I was like, you know what, Sam? I think you just wanted to fuck with ChatGPT all day. Like, I think you just wanted to get paid to mess with ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's like, oh, yeah. we're gonna switch to Alpaca, a self-hosted instance. I'm like. Okay. I'm going to alpaca up my desk. We got to get out of here. (laughs) That's good. We got a, we got an MS office license, bro. Like that shit's expensive. What are you fucking playing with toys for? Oh man. I don't think you should work in the science world. If you can't at least chart your data in Excel. Oh brother. That's great. Uh, I'm pausing. I'm stopping recording. (laughs) Me too.